Well, we're here with Jarrett uh, to talk about Final Fantasy VII Remake. Now, Jarrett, I know we've talked a bit about Final Fantasy VIII. You have a triple triad business card, after all. So I know I you, that you really like eight, but I don't know much about your background and what your take on seven is. So what? give me a brief rundown of your thoughts on the original Final Fantasy VII. So... A quick aside, the irony about my Final Fantasy VIII business card is that I don't actually like Final Fantasy VIII that much. I would actually put it at the bottom of the list of Final... Maybe maybe not the very bottom, but the bottom half of the list of Final Fantasies in my personal ranking. Okay. I just really like Triple Triad. It is um, a damn good minigame. Yeah, and I think someone missed the boat not like printing cards and making that a thing. True. But, uh, seven was so i have i experienced seven in almost two waves i for a lot of people in america seven was their first final fantasy um four was the first one that came here and it was like a big deal that came here unaltered i should say or mostly unaltered um clearly it was final fantasy 2 and not four but and the script was America was, was localized, and some of the words were changed, but not a lot of it. And, and it was made easier, game, actually. Yeah, it was made a little bit easier. Um, but in comparison to say, well, that's well, Final Fantasy One wasn't really touched. Final Fantasy Two never really happened here until, I mean, it happened here, but it wasn't really popping until like emulators were cool and people already yeah. moved on to three D stuff. Um, was advertised three. here. Was advertised here, yeah, but like. We didn't care, and when they were trying to figure out how to make us care, um, that's when like Mystic Quest would happen. Um, but I had already been sort of entrenched into into the Final Fantasy situation by the time Seven happened. But I ended up playing Seven with a friend who had bought it. It was their first Final Fantasy and they had never even been interested in like JRPGs before this. And I think that was kind of like the point of Final Fantasy VII. Like it, it was the first use of that technology to make the 3D things. Mm-hmm. Um, the trailer was very cinematic. It looked like an action movie. Um, it was It was designed to attract like American youngsters to this thing they may have never even knew existed by just by just looking like something that you know looking completely different oh, yeah. than what they've done before and so i had already kind of played these sorts of games before but playing it with a friend who never had it's almost like i had two different experiences with the game right yeah and i think final fantasy 7 was the first final fantasy game i played and other people my age played like okay. normally it was like a, like mm-hmm. i knew adults who had played the other final fantasies and that's how i kind of i kind of got into them but this one is like peers at school like played this game too, so I could talk to them about it. Um, so I find like as far as like a social sort of piece, Final Fantasy VII is super important to me. Um, but it's also a game I remember being like the first one I beat like completely all by myself um, and doing all the special like all, all the extra stuff. I, I took like personal initiative without really help from people who older and smarter than me to like get me past certain things um so final fantasy 7 i think holds like a pretty important place in my sort of legacy as it does with i think a lot of people's legacies a uh, uh, almost of a proof of growing up that you've finally been able to tackle one of these on your own and 
that's yeah, and I'd been a person who had been into these things before, but they've always seemed like bigger than me mm-hmm. most of the time. And this is the first one I could level with, really. Very cool. That's that's a very interesting take. I hadn't thought of that, but I, in terms of be having that be a, the first game that you tackled yourself, that's. It's a perspective I haven't heard much. It's always, oh yeah, it's so good, or I love this one, or, but to tie it to finally being able to tackle that challenge yourself, that's a, I can see why it would mean so much to you. I, I, there are games like that, that I have fond memories of finally being able to beat. So very cool, very cool. For people, uh, for myself, Final Fantasy. I didn't have a PlayStation until late, so I really didn't have. Final Fantasy 7 on PlayStation until late. I had the greatest hits, but I did... I had bought it for my brother for his birthday or something on PC, so that was really my first introduction with Final Fantasy 7. So, uh, I had played it on there, and I enjoyed it, but I still was start just starting to crack into really getting into RPGs, because I had trouble reading when I was younger. So, the text-heavy RPGs weren't my thing until a bit later on. But uh, with seven, I had I have fond memories of three or six, and some memories with two, and no real memories with the first game. But I did have experience. But seven was really approachable, and I think it, like you said, it was so popular that the ma- it, it garnered mass appeal. Um, it's funny that you say you um, the the text and the, your sort of reading troubles when you were younger kind of was a a barrier to entry for these games because I remember distinctly um, using six to help me learn to read because mm-hmm. I had similar issues. I was dyslexic for a long time, mm-hmm. but it being so text heavy, like there were so many characters, but they were yeah. also pretty well realized. Like the writing wasn't the best, but every character felt unique and all kind of felt mm-hmm. real because they all had their own motivations and all that kind of stuff. And they all had such a, a, an interesting visual identity that, it was easy to keep track of who was what. So like kind of wrapping, trying to imagine and play back the story, the thing, the events that were happening in front of me really helped me um, learn to keep like narrative through lines, which is something I had a problem with like Mm -hmm. in my own reading comprehension. So I remember spending lots of time with six and how, and it having like a profound um, benefit on how I sort of read and understand storytelling. Using Final Fantasy VI as a means to help uh, learn to read sounds much more exciting than reading Boxcar Children. That yes. Was, that was <laughs> how I did it. I was forced to read the Boxcar Children. Those damn orphans in that train car. But, besides all that, so I don't know if you've heard, Jarrett, but there is a remake of Final Fantasy VII coming. I don't know. This is pretty... been hearing story. this for years. Uh, but... We obviously, we both come from, we've talked a little bit about this off uh, in our Slack and uh, whatnot. We're coming from a bit different positions and everything, but what are you yourself hoping from this remake? Like, what would be your ideal perfect remake? I don't know that there can be a perfect remake. Like, I, I think a lot about, like, what would be the perfect game for me, like I, I don't have, I have found a hard time. I have a hard time answering like, what's the perfect game? What's the perfect Jared game? Cause I don't think there is one. Um, 
there's nothing that a game could do that would immediately like sell me on it and there's nothing a game could do that would immediately take it out take take me out of it right um i think when looking back at seven i think the most important the most appealing idea of even remaking seven for me is that this is an opportunity to do something completely different than the original seven um not that the original seven is bad but the original seven is a game made over 20 years ago and it looks and feels exactly like that um there are better ways to do i think everything that that game does and a real great application and an even better sort of homage to that game would be to reappropriate everything that that game did at the time mm-hmm. and do it again for this time not that time again i don't want the the same exact thing again is not innovative game making game yeah. design and i think at that time final fantasy 7 did a lot of pretty innovative things design wise and, and visually but also design wise some things i'm not a super fan of but i think this is an opportunity to do that again and just what making the same game again was not going do you think really stood out to you for the time i really liked the the layered concepts of like the the extra things you can do like not every place not there wasn't a whole lot of exploration um like side mission exploration mm-hmm. um in the same way that even older final fantasies at the time had but the things you found tend to have like incredible benefit uh, and lots of sort of return on investment, like the Golden Saucer right. or um, Chocobo Racing. Like if, when you found these things, you found them that are cool. Or like, you know, Yuffie being an entirely optional character, if you wanted to be. Uh, mm-hmm. Same with Vincent. Like, especially Vincent, who's like almost like an iconic character design in, in JRPGs and in video games itself, doesn't have to be part of your party at all if you don't oh, yeah. take, you know, take particular actions. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, you always felt rewarded when you wanted to go explore. Yeah. And I think that's really, imp- that, that sort of sense of wonder is hard to re it's hard to like innovate on that sense of wonder because we've been doing that. It's, it's like, you know, the idea that yeah. you can go uh, down a side road and find something neat is not a new concept anymore. But I, I distinctly remember that being something I don't remember playing in games. Yeah. And I think at the time. in that regard, it's gotten so prevalent and I think a lot of developers have gotten to the point where they think just throwing more random stuff is better and it's more about the quantity of random knickknacks you find instead of really meaningful things that you find for your troubles exploring. Like you just mentioned that that was one of the things 7 did really well. That would be... I would love to see that meaningful exploration really be prevalent in... uh, in the remake as well. I could I could see that. Would you want as me- would you rather have more? Would you rather have less but make them more meaningful or would you like to kind of keep the same amount of exploration and uh, and well, I th- cool stuff to find. I wonder, right? Because they can do you can you can create exploration in now a more modern way, which would be, but that that also in, involves making sort of designing levels in a more modern way. Mm-hmm. Um, 
you know, Midgard doesn't have to be like a doesn't have to feel like a crowded sort of mini version of an overmap, like an overworld anymore. Like Midgard could feel like you know Novigrad in The Witcher, like like an, an entire real living community. And if these houses you're walking by are house size, and these streets and blocks are the size of places people would actually live in and it's full of it, the streets are filled with people who would actually live there. Now you have alleys and, and trash cans and even people's houses or grocery stores or bars. You can explore and have opportunity to either consume story or find things to, to, to do or and and mysteries to solve or whatever within a little, within this little isolated place. So like in the same way that final fantasy 15s that, that, the one of the three cities in that game basically <laughs> um is like this yeah. it is like a fully fledged like street by street like really big place to live and it always feels like people are living in it and doing something in it are you talking about insomnia at the end or the power no plant city? um the power plant city okay yeah that was pretty cool but i like the little markets and things you encountered and ran into but Insomnia is like a good example of what Midgard could look like or feel like. Like this kind of crowded place where people kind of live tight next to each other. And, you know, they've they've uh, sort of innovated and in not just only retcon, but sort of redesigned how Midgard, Midgard looks and feels since Final Fantasy VII and, oh, yeah. and like follow-up movies and follow-up games and stuff. So clearly they're thinking the same way. Like now that the technology and sort of their own sort of the design culture has changed they can kind of expand on these little these little things they've done and that's that's a good opportunity to maybe take another look at how to world build in the side quest sort of area so more make the environments more realized and kind of believable to modern standards is kind of what i mean yeah and even if it doesn't mean like there's more there are people like quest givers in the street that need you to go find them flowers or whatever um that's not important so much as being able to walk down streets and see people have the impression that these people live here and that the things you do in the city reverberate, right? Like mm -hmm. I think one of the biggest things I remember about Final Fantasy Seven is like you were a group of eco terrorists in Midgar and they would talk about Avalanche all the time. Mm -hmm. But it you always felt kind of removed from the events are the actions of avalanche even though those were your actions because yeah. the people never really reacted in a way that you would assume people would react to terrorism in like down the street or around the corner from their homes and um, terrorism you bring up terror like eco-terrorism and with avalanche and everything and things like that terrorism itself is such a different being than it was when seven originally came out like oh absolutely it's yeah so much more prevalent in modern society and um on people post 9-11 like yeah so yeah like how do you tell that story right like yeah how do you frame it in a way that because you are a terrorist in the beginning like avalanche is a terrorist group yeah it'll be interesting to see how they kind of portray that or if they adjust it so it's more acceptable in today's atmosphere that'll be or if they even go the other way and don't but double down on the message right because mm -hmm. this is this was a this game is a story about climate change in a way yeah uh, how 
human sort of ambition hurts the natural world it lives in. It's a, it's supposed to have a symbiotic relationship with, but we've we've unbalanced it maybe to a point of no return. Yeah. And these small groups of people try to fight it, but in reality, the machine might be bigger than them. But then the answer that could actually solve the problem is one that then destroys humanity before it's ready to be destroyed. Mm-hmm. And if I feel like they kind of abandoned that story, even maybe as early as when you leave Midgard, um, yeah. to to chase the bigger fish, which is who is Sephiroth and where is he? Mm-hmm. But I think there's an opportunity here to sort of reapply the writing and make this story feel or make his story always make that part of the story always relevant yeah i that would that would be really really interesting if they did carry that avalanche narrative further on because as you said pretty once you leave midgard even very the mention that they are avalanches is mentioned very rarely um post midgard from and and their defense like midgard like Avalanche is really only relevant in Midgard, yeah. but I think the reality of the situation, like, yeah, Midgard is kind of a closed city, um, very into the city state, and only the people in it really know what's going on. But um, it's not like Shinra. Shinra is a very important, very influential yeah. like Shinra corporation throughout the world. So everyone knows who Midgard or like what Midgard is, and everyone knows who Shinra is. And if there's someone. I, would, I imagine if someone was blowing things up in New York, everyone in on the continent would know about it, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Especially if they were, like, basically targeting oil refineries. You would figure yeah. that other areas with oil refineries in seven Mako reactors would be aware that there's a terrorist group targeting, specifically targeting these reactors. So you would, you would assume. Um... So let's move on. Really good, good topics. You've, uh, you've, you've gotten me thinking about stuff and how, how it will be handled. One issue, or I found something out earlier. Talk to me about Materia. You are not. You would like to see Materia be changed, or uh, you're not a fan of. Is it you're not a fan of the Materia system, or talk to me about Materia? Well, I think the Materia system is a piece of a whole of the whole combat system that I think needs a redesign or needs to get looked at. I don't think it can come over in the same form for a couple of reasons. One ATB doesn't really work anymore. Um, as it's, as it stood then I, there maybe is a way to make it work here. It, it already looks like they're not doing something like that. They're doing something more active. Um, which in and of itself is like a, a question mark because like is it active in a twelve way or is it active in a fifteen way? Who knows? Mm-hmm. Or even in a thirteen way. Um, but I think part of my issue with Seven's combat comes from a kind of the character balancing or the character designs themselves. There isn't much different character to character. Like they have different base stats, and some are better at casting spells in the other, but it actually doesn't have a sort of significant, uh, there's no significant difference between two people if they're geared relatively the same way. Um, so combat, 
like their the combat identity of any of these characters basically lies directly in their limit breaks, and that's basically it. And I kind of wish I want that to change. Um, this the I think Final Fantasy VI has the same problem, mm-hmm. where most characters are basically the same, uh, barring their, their special, their, yeah, their own special sort of abilities that they have, like. Uh, Edgar's tools and Sabin's like combos or whatever. His blitzes, yeah. But and and those are identifiably those are identifiably signature sort of things they do. But in practice, very few of them do anything that's like unique and makes them very important to be there. Mm-hmm. The ones that do are the ones you keep in your party all the time, and the the other ten kind of don't do anything. Yeah. And I feel like in seven, it's like your party is only ever made up of the people you like the yeah. most because there's really no reason to use anybody else um besides the occasional if you have flying enemies you can use someone with a gun so you know barrett or vincent um or yuffie who can throw her shit but or just equip someone with the long range material yeah or equip someone with long range material and that completely yeah. negates that too so i i would want to see something some sort of implementation of mechanical differences between these characters that make each of them interesting to play as and make you want to think about character interactions in more than just a narrative way. Um, and I think materia is like a blanket you put on top of all that, where like, if you really didn't think anybody was different, everyone can basically equip the same materia. Um, all ultimate weapons have the same slot pattern. So yeah. like you basically just make the same person as many times as possible and you win. Basically, like, yeah. I, I, I want something more dynamic than that, I think. Now, in terms of the combat, would you prefer they err more on the side of Final Fantasy XV's action style of combat or more of the twelve style? My problem with fifteens is that that is clearly designed for you to play one character. Mm-hmm. You only play as Noctis, and like your interaction is just Noctis-focused because that story is about him, basically. Mm-hmm. And his friends, where it's where Final Fantasy VII feels like an ensemble cast, even though Cloud is a the protagonist, I guess. Mm-hmm. The rest of these characters are part of the story too. Yeah, um, in significant ways, more significant than you know Gladio is in any particular point of the story. Um, so I feel like not allowing you to not allowing you to be in your them, their shoes would be sort of a disservice uh, in in some fashion. So like in that in that aspect, yeah, maybe more twelve ish. But I think even twelve's combat, though I like I like twelve's combat and I like twelve. I think it it's kind of fails in being active enough. Like yeah. you kind of set it and forget it. And the easier like even the international version where, um, it solves the material problem that I have, where like everyone basically becomes the same thing. You choose a license board that's a specific license board, it's a specific class, and everyone has their own class. But even then, it's like you find a lot of these things overlap, and what makes them special maybe maybe doesn't make them special enough. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I would want to avoid having them not be special, and then also having it so that you can kind of just let them run on autopilot and you're not really in, in, engaged in it much at all. Like I've always had this opinion of like random battles where like if, if it can be a random battle, you can just auto battle. Maybe it shouldn't be fair. Yeah. Um, and, and I know that's kind of like, there's a dissonance between JRPGs and, and that sort of idea because like almost like a standard in JRPGs is the ability to 
gain levels and and customize stats and that kind of stuff yeah. and you kind of need a way to to input experience to to build towards those levels in some way and the only and the best way to do that is for random battles and then like quests um doing quests and shit so like i don't know the answer to like what do you do about random battles but i know that every remake or remaster of all these little final fantasies comes with an option to skip them all so clearly square doesn't know what to do about them either mm-hmm. yeah um question did you ever play uh crisis core on psp with zach i did what did um, you think was interesting the materia system was incorporated into that in an action combat would you I want think that this felt, to be so, kind of would you that felt a little better yeah um because but again it, i think the difference there is you You're again play zach. as you play only as zach in the same way like you play yeah. only as noctis so everything you do to you makes you feel very dynamic because you don't really have to worry about anybody else yeah um, it's really easy to do when you're just playing one character i think kingdom hearts has like kind of the answer but again you don't play as goofy or donald or any or the like the support character or the, the yeah. special character so like it's hard right it's a it's a hard thing to do i think um 13 does an interesting job at this um Though I would say 13 does fall into the same sort of trap of like, there's not a whole lot of difference between characters that have the same roles that overlap. Yeah, I think 13 is 13 does a good job until everyone has access to all the roles. And then exactly like around chapter like 10 or 11, you're like, well, we're all the same person now, I guess. When everyone's max level and they all have the same skills, there is very little difference between the two. Um, but just talking about this stuff and how, how we're referencing how prevalent it is in the later Final Fantasies, it's like, shout out to the job system, man. Like, shout out to Final Fantasy V's job system. And even like and it's, it's kind of interesting because it's kind of, I don't want to say it's perfect, right? But it mm-hmm. solves that problem perfectly. Yeah. Everyone does a thing. And that's mm-hmm. basically what they do. In my opinion, I think four does it the best. Maybe four and nine, but I think four mm-hmm. more so than nine does it the best. Where not only everybody has their own class, but like it's not a class anybody else has. Like, yeah, Fong does this thing because that's who he is. Yeah. Edge does this thing because that's who he is. And mm-hmm. so, so that the gameplay mechanics meld so well into the narrative yeah. of these and the narrative character makeup of these people. So you identify with with them that much more. Like the entire arc of Cecil sort of redeeming himself changes his the way he plays and changes yeah. his class because that's what he has to do. So you are you're taking that journey with him. And you spend the next like after you climb the mountain and go on the summit, you spend the next several hours starting from level one again. Yeah. And having to like become a good like become a real fighter again and like learn mm-hmm. learn this new you. And I feel like that's such an incredible sort of mechanical um, like the Ludo narrative, like the connection here is so that's such an, an 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 underrated thing, I think. Yeah, and I don't think it happens very often in Final Fantasy games, but I would love an opportunity to do something like that again. But I don't really know how you do that with Seven because Seven is just not really class based. But I think you can, like, I you think we could, can yeah. you can think outside the box and make it class based. Yeah, I think that would be brilliant of them to do is to differentiate between them. 10 did it a little bit. I think 10 did an okay job, but it suffered from 
the same end game particular right 10 does a good job in. until you hit a point and you and you start doing circles around the yeah. spear grid and now suddenly orn can cast black magic and stuff and it's it's just mm-hmm. getting really weird yeah um so what would you if you could pick one feature like your dream feature or dream tweak that you want them to make to the remake what would it be like if you could have one feature or one change, um, one addition, what would it be? The square came to you and be like, Jared, we need an idea. I want. I would want a significant like Turks portion on this game. Um, there's a lot of like supporting literature about Final Fantasy VII. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Um, and my favorite sort of element of Seven was always the Turks, because they're like a secret service, but they're like black ops, but they're like not necessarily great at it. Yeah. And like that's there's such an opportunity there for like really funny sort of, but like endearing kind of storytelling because these mm-hmm. characters aren't bad people; they just do bad jobs, yeah. or they do bad, they do like not good things, but they're also not great at it. And I always found that to be like very charming. Like Reno and Rude are like incredible. They they are like the Team Rocket of Final Fantasy VII, but like a bit more serious because they're they they really are like bad people and they work for a very bad corporation and and they're on the wrong side of that history. But I always found like every interaction with Reno and Rude I thought was great. Mm -hmm. Um, I think the the story of like Saint Elena are is interesting. Like that whole how did we find the crater? Like what happened up at that up to up until that point is like a story that doesn't necessarily surface in like a legible way and this mm-hmm. is an opportunity for that. Yeah, the uh I would love to see kind of expanding on your Turks. I think I completely agree with you. They need to spend more time with the Turks. That was a a resource they didn't spend enough time with really fleshing out back in the original game. I would just like them to incorporate all more of the expanded universe or storyline that they've developed in the past years. I would love to have not, it doesn't necessarily have to bring completely in, but reference Angeal and more of Zach and flesh out that kind of wonkiness that happened. And uh, the Turks, like you said, and uh, even more of the stuff with red 13 and kind of the stuff going that went on in Cosmo Canyon, I think could be kind of cool. Yeah, that's kind of like the so this this episodic idea is maybe a blessing and a curse, right? Like, mm-hmm. there's a lots of like episodic mean a lot of things. Yeah, and I think we assume probably correctly that it means we're just getting a linear story in pieces, but what we could also assume is that we're going to get all these side stories also in pieces. Yeah. So like we could get a Cosmo Canyon story. Maybe it's not very long. Maybe it's like 10 hours, which is, I think, long enough, maybe. But we have an opportunity to look at this section of the game that maybe isn't, maybe doesn't find a efficient or happy place in the main story, but is still a story worth telling. Yeah. Um, what would you, what is your greatest fear with the Final Fantasy VII remake that you think that you're worried they will do? I'm worried that they won't correct some of 
its problems or or make no attempt to do anything more than what they've already done right like i don't like a lot of its characterization of tifa early in the original game um she doesn't become i think she's a better character in everything but final fantasy 7 like the game um which is funny because she's not really present in much other than that but like i think advent children is a great characterization of tifa uh, or what I always like, sort of imagined Tifa to be, mm-hmm. and I think she's supposed to be that in parts of Seven, and in parts of Seven she is. But it's it always felt like once Eris dies, she kind of gets the Eris role. <laughs> yeah, and I I never really liked that. And it not, I'm not giving the game enough credit, I think, but I I still think the impression is clear, and I think it's an opportunity to clear that up. Um, I would like real characterization of some of these characters like Barrett, who was kind of just Mr. T. Yeah. Um, and literally nothing more than that. Well, that's not mm-hmm. true. Like he was, you know, the leader of the avalanche and he, he did and sort of spend like dedicate his life. If he wasn't, when he wasn't fighting terrorism or wasn't fighting the man, he was raising his best friend's daughter who died um, attempting to fight the man with him. Yeah. Um, so like, there's a lot like Barrett is, should be more of a should be more of a character you can take seriously. And I think he has moments that you do do that in the original game, but I think lots of lots of versions and characterizations of Barrett don't allow you to take him as seriously as you should. Yeah. I could see that. Yeah, I do see that. I mean, just his his lingo that he uses was so blatantly of the time trying to imitate Mr. T and and it's like i get it like he he should be i i i can appreciate the a-team reference and like this is like your point of reference for this character but he shouldn't just be mr t like Mm -hmm. he should be some he should feel like he lives in this place and and it can be colored by the same sort of events and make him a layered character in ways that everybody else got an opportunity to be well most people got an opportunity to be yeah i'm hopeful that I'm guessing from at least what they've shown, we're going to get a bunch more of um, Biggs, Wedge, and Jesse. So I'm hoping they're going to flesh out that relationship with them and Barrett a lot more. And hopefully that will at least mitigate or lessen kind of this stuff that we're ta- or that you're mentioning um, with, with Barrett a bit. And yeah, just give him like an opportunity to live the life that like he lives as leader of Avalanche. <clears throat> I'm worried that they will my biggest thing is like I look I well I completely see your point and how if you equip everybody the same way w- with materia that they all will play the same, but I at the same time there's so many different types of materia that I do feel you can really materia is the way you customize your party so i'm personally hopeful they don't dumb it down that's my biggest concern is they will dumb down materia in the magic system in the remake um to a level that's reminiscent of the magic system in 15 which i felt and really to in kingdom hearts as well kingdom hearts 3 it turned into just kind of an easy win button, and I don't want to see Materia and Magic turn into that with this one. I think expand on 
how it does let you customize your characters and how they play and how they behave and working in a action combat environment now as it appears i think there's a lot more stuff you could do maybe improving your dodges and things but to your point i do think starting with a base where each character behaves intrinsically differently and no matter what level they're at or what level their material is at they will always feel different and be unique is incredibly important as well I think part of the, like, in Final Fantasy XV, I feel like magic was supposed to be overpowered because yeah. I think Noctis, as sort of the last of this lineage, is kind of a man who... He's Goku. like He is. He's, like, genetically overpowered. And he, uh, he, he, his presence gives his friends the ability to basically live at a fraction of his power. Yeah. Um... So there, so he's just a roving gang of dudes that can teleport around and like to like magically materialize mm-hmm. weapons in their hands, and and I I think they they kind of missed the boat balancing it, but I think magic is supposed to be this thing that you don't use very often. The problem is in fifteen is it's very easy to farm and like oh, yeah. make magic all the time, so like you can just do they can do anything but attack mm-hmm. if you do it right. Um, I think in in seven like. An option could be just to limit how each person can equip materia. Like, I don't know how that really works. Like, do you just change? Do you make it so like the weapons are just slotted differently intrinsically in a way, in patterns or in ways that like mm-hmm. can't be replicated across characters? I have no idea. Like, I don't. If they do it that way, then you have to don't really have to change materia at all. But it becomes difficult to balance like a hundred materia across how many characters when you do this this way so what and this is just because i've been playing a crap ton of these games recently um cold steel legend of heroes trails of cold steel uses uses a system that's very similar to the materia system but kind of in terms of what you were talking about and limiting who can equip what is each character has a certain setup of these slots they can equip the base basically the their material but some are specifically you have to equip a certain color mm-hmm. into only that slot and expanding on that and allowing maybe cloud would be able to equip more um purple materia would have more slots in his weapons geared towards purple materia or which is support materia while tifa because she's kind of faster and more of the punching monk thief or punching monk style maybe hers would be more of the yellow materia and eris more red materia slots something so that could kind of be interesting if they went a route similar to that and i think doing something like that would differentiate them and kind of limit what you could do with or even like materia itself might do something different for the character right like Mm -hmm. maybe you equip uh, a green materia and Vincent can, sh- well, Vincent's a normal attacks might take on the element of the green materia yeah. or something like that. I don't know how it's story-wise. It wouldn't necessarily make sense, but you, you, you can do something like that to make them unique. Oh yeah. Cause I think they, they did, they made characters feel kind of different in type zero and that was an action RPG. So maybe taking some nods from that one, that could also be, yeah, but the Type Zero have, um, I don't remember 
they had abilities and skills you could equip and i think you still yeah. could learn like each character could learn magic but like Blizzard... but i think they learn magic in the same way that like six characters learn magic where you you, you equip a thing and now they kind of know stuff um, but they have their own sort of actions as well i i, yeah. I like remember that game um but i know like blizzard on one character would be different than if another character used blizzard i think um so I'm hoping there is enough ideas and kind of uh, implemented ideas that they could pull and. In fact, yeah, I think it, that could be interesting because I know each spell type or our magic had like different groups. Like they like you can either have them like missiles where they like mm-hmm. hone onto um, targets or like a rifle, which is like it just shoots kind of straight into a straight right. line. If this is going to be an action game, then that could be a way to do it. Yeah, that would be that would be interesting. So, we mentioned this briefly uh, earlier that there is heavy rumors, and Square's still saying, I believe, that this will be an episodic series of games. So, taking that into account, Jared, hypothetic, we'll say hypothetically, it's a three-game series to make up the entire narrative of Final Fantasy VII that we know of now. So what points would you break it up in the narrative to cover three games? Like, what would be the end of game one, the end of game two, end of game... Obviously, end of game three would be the end of the game. So I would probably break it up in a similar way. I'd probably just add more things within them, right? Like the end of disc one or game one would probably you would be escaping Midgar. Um and maybe even going to Niflheim. Uh but I feel like there's an entire pre like prologue that can be added to the first. Um because it starts you sort of like it starts you in a particular time period, and I don't know that it necessarily needs to go further than that because I guess part of the part of the way the game is being told to you is like understanding how the first half, understanding how the crater and the interaction between Shinra and the crater happened, and how that led to Sephiroth and Zack, and how that led to Cloud's sort of mm-hmm. weird, sort of imprinted identity issue. Like not knowing that up front is part of sort of the 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 narrative effect of that game. And I don't know that it's value. Like I don't know if it's more valuable to just like say fuck that and just write it straightforward from from in this particular point because you don't really want to. Because that's very powerful. I don't know that it would be powerful with someone who already knows it, but it might be for someone who doesn't. And it's like an opportunity to tell that story that way again. But mm-hmm. there's definitely like things you can do. There are definitely more stories to be told in the beginning in Midgard while you're still there and why you still have to be that I think are important. And you can just kind of stack that to the ceiling, I think. And, and basically the, the chasing around the world in the second disc like there, there are so many other places to go. I feel like so many, like lot, lots, lots more to be found, or lots more to be when when they re, when they go back to these things. Lots more to sort of open up and elaborate on. That I think ending it around the same time that they end it, that this too is when going like going to the crater basically is still a good chapter marker 
Mm-hmm. So it, it's hard to like those are pretty good endings for discs, and it's I don't want to ruin like I can't think up a better way to end them without like rewriting that whole story, and I, I don't want to do that. Yeah. Um. But you know, I wouldn't want I wouldn't want the the I wouldn't want each just to go beat for beat knowing yeah. that. For me, I think I would like the first disc to go up through Aerith's death. And from there, the second game would take from there up through Cloud Falls into the live stream. I think that would be a really good, impactful part. And then the last game is just the world dealing with meteor coming and the final confrontation and just having that loom above you the entire game, I think could be really, uh, th- I think that would be my ideal breakup. Cause I think Aerith dying would be a really heavy hitting, um, and to end to that game. And yeah, I think the, him falling into the live stream would be good because then for the people that haven't played it it's all that sense of kind of mystery and um well what's what's gonna happen now so mm-hmm. also I, like I just the last disc I would want the in, the first game to be entirely midgar like they would have Maybe. to really flesh out and i'm sure they will flesh out midgar but i just i just want to see the world a bit. I think it'd be a good opportunity to show the world from the perspective of Midgar. Because you don't know, you don't see much about the, out, the like, you don't see anything yeah. really about the outside world until you leave it. But yeah. like an opportunity to spend some time on top of a disc or on top of one of the plates mm-hmm. would be interesting. Like maybe you infiltrate like the rich sector for some reason, but now you can see like the sky and see mm-hmm. the horizon for some in some way. Um, really having a real conversation or telling a real story behind the the plate that fell and killed everybody under it, like that's an interesting story to tell. Um, I think the Midgar we got in the original Final Fantasy VII is like a fraction of the Midgar we could have. Oh, no doubt, no doubt. Though I also can't imagine like a like a a last game that is that almost is like a transition into a world of ruin because the meteor's coming. Mm-hmm. And the closer and closer it gets, like the worse and worse things are. Yeah. I think they could do a lot of kind of cool stuff with that and just slowly getting closer. And just seeing the, like, revisiting places you had been previously and just seeing how much society and government just seeing governments trying to hold things together while society's breaking apart thinking it's the end of all life and i think that could be interesting and there's no great like um conclusion on what the world does after shinra falls Mm -hmm. because after the weapons go and kill shinra on top or supposedly kill rufus on top of the uh on top of midgard like everyone's like well i guess shinra's over and then everyone just kind of continues with life oh damn I can't wait to see weapons in, in the remake, like fighting those. Yeah, diamond weapons are gonna be a lot, a lot, has to be like a lot. Like I, the, the the design work 
at and Square has come leaps and leaps and bounds since seven. Mm-hmm. Like Diamond Weapon was an interesting design then in low res polygon shape. Like I can't imagine what we what we'd see. Especially seeing the kind of imaginative takes on summoning in fifteen. Mm-hmm. Well, we like, saw a diamond weapon in uh, uh, Kingsclave. That's true, but I think that's like a just a different like that's a different version. That's a Final Fantasy fifteen version of diamond weapon. Like, what it, do they redesign Final Fantasy seven's diamond weapon completely, or did they try to take diamond weapon from that game and? Up-res it. Not more than up-res it, but like over-design mm-hmm. it, but have the same sort of design motive. Yeah. Like it's very still I like identifiably the uh, diamond weapon Final Fantasy Seven, but like now with more shiny. Yeah. I would love to see it what it would look like if it was actually like a product of the earth. You know, like an earth right. robot. Basically. Yeah, I think a lot of those weapons will be interesting. And I wonder if they'll keep the fights in in similar form. With like ruby and emerald, mm-hmm. I hope we get I, like. I know that it's worth fight, like, but it might be worth it. Oh, for sure, definitely. I want my space dragon. I want Bahamut Zero. They have to keep Bahamut as three summons. I wonder what they'll do with the summoning. Like, will they make them just like big spells again? I where you ha- and there's like twenty of them, like. Will you have to, yeah, will you find Bahamut in three forms and then realize the last one's like a transformer from space? Yeah. Yeah, dude. Like, I miss... I miss being able to just have a crap ton of summons that are just cool little mini cinematics that do a bunch of damage. Um, Yeah, wow. Final Fantasy VII had, like, ridiculous summons. Yeah. Fifteen, they're... Theirs were cinematic, but you could only use them in very rare circumstances. Yeah, you basically couldn't actually do... You couldn't actually want to use them. Like, you had to be basically dying to use it. Exactly. 13 just had... Everyone had their own specific summon you could use. Which were cool, but they weren't... They didn't do much for me. 12... 12... I thought were cool, but we didn't have like the old staples. It was cool that they basically turned into a party member, but twelve was what like tens I think wanted to be. Yeah. Um, where ten is just like you, your party is replaced by this dude, and so it's twelve. But this, like, the only thing that you can do is attack with this guy, and then overdrive, and then he's gone, and that's kind of it. I mean, the last time we got just, like, a summon kind of summon, like, it's traditional old-school summon was Final Fantasy IX, you know? And it'd be nice to just get that again. Just just give me a taste of that again for a game. Give me my giant boar that shoots all of the elements at a dude. Or, or I think that's on. something that's definitely going to change. Like, I would be surprised if it comes back as as just, you know... I summon Odin, and here he is to kill everyone. I know. I'm not expecting it to, but i that's not stopping me from hoping it is. That's fair. But, well, any final thoughts on uh, the Final Fantasy remake, my good sir? None yet. I guess I'll wait till E3, because I'm still not convinced this game is like happening this year. Mm-hmm. Um, 
But if not now, then when, I guess, is the question. Yeah. But I think we said that for a lot of Square games. And it seems like Square is bringing a lot to E3 with no mention of this, like, directly. And I think that's on purpose. So mm-hmm. either we'll see an E3 or, I guess, a Tokyo Game Show. But I'm not... Well, we know they're I... showing stuff on 7 at E3. Yeah, they're showing something. I just don't know that it's going to be a release date. Yeah. Um. They, I, 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 I'm, I'm trying to sort of hold both expectation and criticism for when I see more of this game. Yeah, because we, we really don't know much at all. Right. Since they took it back from CyberConnect, we haven't seen much about it until like a couple weeks ago. So I really, I'm, I'm trying to be like open-minded to appreciating that this is kind of a new development cycle, or at the very least, this is a, a reattempt to take control of this development and make mm-hmm. it a thing for real. So after E3, I'll see exactly what my expectations for this game are smart smart well that's all we got uh for this little mini final fantasy 7 remake hopes and fears and uh wants and desires discussion so mr jared thank you so much for chit-chatting with me about final fantasy no problem you have a good night, sir, and be sure to check out irrationalpassions.com. we got a loads of good stuff, and we got a bunch of E3 stuff planned, so look forward to that. You can find us on Twitch at twitch.tv slash irrationalpassions. You can find us on Twitter at irrationalpod, YouTube at youtube.com slash irrationalpassions, Instagram at instagram.com slash irrationalpassions, I believe, and a bunch of various podcast sources for all sorts of good stuff like in uh irrational passions podcast the official podcast of the website we got video game book club we got all sorts of good stuff so be sure to check all those out and hope you all have a wonderful e3 thanks again for stopping in Jarrett, and we'll see you all next time